everyone joined today and thanks for tuning in. I'm Isabella, PhD student with Exercise Physiology and Cardiovascular Health Lab at the University of Ottawa Heart Institute. I'll be your host for today's special episode of Beats Research Radio, a YouTube channel and podcast which aims to disseminate science to the community. Our guest today is Dr. Gabriela Melguigui. Dr. Gigi received her PhD in Exercise Science from the University of Toronto, followed by two postdoctoral fellowships awarded by Heart and Stroke and CHR at the Toronto Rehabilitation Institute and York University in Canada, both in Canada. Currently, she's an affiliate scientist with the Kite Research Institute and an assistant professor at the Department of Physical Therapy, University of Toronto, and member of the executive committee and chair elect of the International Council of Cardiovascular Prevention and Rehabilitation. Her research focuses on implementation of patient education strategies in chronic disease management around the world and global access to cardiac rehabilitation. Well, welcome, Dr. Gizzi. So recently, you published the paper, Effectiveness of Virtual versus In-Person Group-Based Education Curriculum to Increase Disease-Related Knowledge and Change Health Behavior Among Cardiac Rehab Participants in the Journal of Patient Education and Counseling. Congratulations. So could you please tell us um, first, so let's start with you maybe telling us what is the patient education? And then if you can tell us what are the main findings in this study? First of all, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and share a little bit about my projects and my research and my passion about science. So uh, patient education is a process. So we hope with patient education to influence patients' behavior and making them increase their knowledge, change some attitudes and skills, and all of this, uh, the ultimate goal is really to improve their overall health. So when you think about patient education, it's not only knowledge per se, but it's really action, behavior change, change of attitudes, and that's uh, a big thing, a big commitment when you commit to educate patients. So in one of my latest um, publications, the one that you just mentioned, we um, we compared the effectiveness of a structure education program delivered virtual versus in-person. So I'm just going to go back a little bit um, about like give you some background about this project. So in cardiac rehabilitation, patient education, it's a core component. So it's an important part of the programs and, and also a quality indicator. Uh, what happened is that not all programs, they include patient education. So most of the programs are exercise-based. They focus on exercise and they not address patient education, sometimes mental health, they don't, they don't address other core components. But when available, education in cardiac rehab was usually delivered on site and in groups. This before pandemic. We know with the pandemic, with the COVID pandemic, everything changed. So, um, so before it was only on site or mo mostly on site and in groups. Then COVID hit. Then the cardiac rehab programs quickly had to change the way that they're delivering 
uh, care to their patients. And that included how they were delivering patient education. In our site, Toronto Rehab, here in Toronto, uh, our program was delivering education once a week, 25, 26 people coming to our center and having like a lecture discussion about specific topics. But then with COVID hit, they were at home, they needed that support. So we switch our program, our educational curriculum from in group, from group in person to virtual. And then what we did with this study is that we got, we, we recruited a cohort of patients that were receiving the virtual and we compare with the similar cohorts from previous studies that received the on-site education. So the content was similar, but of course the delivery was different and it was during the first months of COVID and it was, uh, there's another important component that it's peer support. So when you are we wanted to understand if patients, they were doing virtual at home without having that contact with others that went through the same situation, if they were, um, if they were going to, if, if, if some outcomes were going to be, um, let's say, improving. So we had 80 patients uh, in the virtual education, 80 patients, or and then we matched with 80 patients that received the group on-site education. And then we identify, so so patients, they completed surveys. Mm -hmm. they, they assess, so we assess, this is related knowledge. We assessed adherence to the Mediterranean diet, which is a big part of our program too, like, um, the nutritional aspect, we assess exercise self-efficacy, satisfaction, and then we also measure the steps that the patients took per day to see how active they were using a wearable device. So what we identified or our results show that in both groups, knowledge improved, adherence to the Mediterranean improved, number of daily steps improved. So we think, okay, it's great. But of course, not everything was great for the virtual group. So patients' satisfaction was not that high. So patients missed coming to our site and um, having that contact, that um, in-person contact with their peers, with our group, with our clinical staff, and also exercise self-efficacy self decreased post-cardiac rehab in the virtual group. So for those that do not know, exercise self-efficacy self is the belief that a person can successfully perform an, a given activity, or in this case, being physically active. So that's self-efficacy. And so those that did the education in the virtual environment, they decreased their exercise self-efficacy. But the study was done in the first years of COVID. So I don't think people were <laughs> very convinced they could successfully do many things. So we really think that that was the case. Okay, very interesting. Well, thank you very much for sharing all this new information for our, our listeners. <laughs> um, uh, my next question is, uh, so we've also been working in collaboration with Cardiac Rehab, 
programs across the globe to lead the successful development, implementation, and evaluation of patient education curriculum. So can you share a little bit with us uh, about this work specifically and, and how to adapt education to address the needs of patients, especially consider different cultures and backgrounds? Sure. So um, I'm from Brazil. So uh, when I came from Brazil to Canada to study, I saw lots of differences in how cardiac rehab is delivered. Then I started to be interested in understanding the differences in other programs. And then I noticed, as I mentioned in my previous, um, as, as I mentioned previously, that most cardiac rehab programs, they were exercise-based. They didn't have an educational component. Because when you think about patient education, it's not only, um, okay, here's a pamphlet, or you have to do this. You don't tell patients just that. It has to be structured. It has to be based on their needs. Healthcare providers are not trained to be health educators. So there is a whole different world that it needs to be created in order for education to be effectively delivered. So, so we decided then to develop this educational curriculum called Health E-University, which is actually the only evidence-based and theoretically informed comprehensive educational program for cardiac rehab available for cardiac rehab patients available globally. So we decided to create Health E-University to really meet the needs of patients, not only in our program, but across the globe. And to do this, we created multiple materials because people, they learn differently, right? So you cannot just create a booklet and give to everyone and assume that everyone will learn this way. So we created booklets, videos, short videos, long videos, a website. And then of course, we have to translate and culturally adapt those materials. Because um, let's say one of the hardest, we have we have information in five pillars, that's how we call. So we have three heart disease, which is information about the heart, uh, procedures, uh, diagnosis, medication. We have information about exercise or being active, about eating healthy, nutrition, feeling well or psychosocial mental health, and then take control, which is self-management, um, creating action plans. So the one of the hardest ones to culturally adapt is the nutrition because people eat so differently across the globe, right? So it's not just, I'm, I'm giving you this example because it's not just a matter of translating. Oh, great. I have those materials. They are great. Let me just translate them, pay someone to translate them into Portuguese. And then I'll give to Brazilian patients in Brazil. No, we have to culturally adapt. We have to translate and culturally adapt and making sure that everything makes sense and really aligns to the needs of patients as well as the needs of the programs. Because some programs do not have the capacity to um, have a structured education, for instance. So we maybe on the website would be better for them to just give a link to patients and they will just go there. Others prefer to have this structure way and having learning plans where they give to patients each week. So it's a implementation process. We have to, we are guided by the needs of uh, people that we, we connect, we, we collaborate. 
and um, it's really great. We have tested our health university, the effectiveness in 13 countries, and we have low, middle, and high income settings. And we have proved that after patients are educated with these materials, they improve clinical in income outcomes, uh, higher healthy behaviors, they eat better, they exercise more, and they of course improve their knowledge. And in the first RCT in Brazil, or first RCT in low and middle income settings, we identified that though the group, we had three groups, we had, uh, this was done 2014. So we had um, no, no cardiac rehab, no, no education, nothing. We had exercise-based cardiac rehab, so only exercise. Come, do your exercise and go home. And then we had the comprehensive cardiac rehab, which patients were coming, exercising, and also receiving the education using health university materials. And then we identified that those with the comprehensive cardiac rehab, they decreased morbidity and they had gains maintained at uh, at least one year following this program. Wow. And uh, yeah, and health university is also the standard of care in 29 programs around the globe. So we have 29 programs using these materials as part of their regular care with their patients. That's that's super. Yeah, I have, I, I'm sure we're going to hear like lots and lots of findings and, you know, like helping all the patients. Um, and definitely education is really essential for the yeah. population. I love, I, I like saying that knowledge is power. When you provide knowledge to your patients, you empower them. They know why they're following the doctor's recommendations. They know why they need to keep active. So it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a process that should be done in all, not only cardiac patients, but all mm -hmm. patients, right? Telling them why they are doing that, why I'm asking you to do that. It's, it's powerful. Exactly. Well, thank you. Um, so our last question today. Uh, so you've been talking about your training and you, you know your whole training and part of your education was also done in Brazil. So English is even like your second language, right? Uh, so my last question is dedicated to our future future scientists. So including the ones that are from like other countries, just like me, uh, what advice would you give to young scientists who are just starting their careers? Yeah, that was, that's a, that's a tough question because I am a young scientist. I'm just starting my career. Uh, but um, some things that worked for me is that I am very curious. So I ask a lot of questions and especially from senior scientists. I, if they give me the opportunity, I'll be there asking questions and learning from them. So if they open a door, go for it. Um, another thing that really helps for me, it's organ, it's being very organized. I organize my schedule and my work monthly, weekly. So I know where I want to go and I know what I wanted to achieve, but of course, if you want to achieve something, it's not going to change from one year to the, to sometimes from one day to the other day, but sometimes from one year to another one, it's not going to happen. It's really small steps. So you have to think about your journey, talk a lot with senior scientists or people that you think that it's something that you want to achieve. 
and then understand what the steps that you want to take. So then um, month by month, year by year, you can set up those goals and you can try to achieve them. The other thing that it's very important, it's learn English. And by learning English, I mean, it's not just... Um, it's not just going and taking a course. It's really embracing English. It's like watching TV and trying to talk and go to the supermarket and talk to someone. Uh, it's uh, That made a huge difference for me because I, I love talking, as you can see. But um, like I, I really loved learning English. So I was reading English. I was going online. Even in Brazil, I was really trying to connect with people that speak English too and really trying to, because it's easier. As part of this process of working in science, you have to convey your message clearly and effective. And it's hard when English is not your first language. It's really hard. I don't think people realize. Um, so yeah, having that. Um, two more things. Or it might it might be a cliche, but always give the best of yourself. Um, sometimes we're like, oh, I'm not going to do this. I'm lazy. I'm tired. But think that this is part of the small steps that you need to take to, to go where you want to go. And work collaboratively. As you can see, like as I mentioned, we have so many projects around the globe. And this is only possible because when people send me an email, I... I am open and ready to work with them collaboratively. So that's a big thing for me. That's, yeah, that's awesome. And for, certainly you're an inspiration for all of us. So thank you um, for, you know, like giving your time and being here with us today. Um, so this concludes our interview. I would like to thank you, Dr. Gabriela Gizzi, for the great talk involving patient education and global heart health. Thanks to our listeners for checking out this Spitz episode. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel or find us on your favorite podcast app. So on behalf, on behalf of the whole team here at Beats Research Radio, stay safe and heart health. Music